Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show, Bill Arnold. This is going to be that uh, spectacular continuation of our series on prayer this hour. So if you have uh, been looking forward to this uh, time slot every week, like I have and Peter has, uh, well, here it is. We're, we've arrived at that moment. We're going to be joined today by uh, Pastor uh, Daniel Henderson. But uh, Peter, uh, I want to just say first hi to you, and how are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, Bill. This has uh, been quite the series so far. I've really just enjoyed I, I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most about this series is, is the number of guests that come on and say, you know, I, I can speak to the idea of prayer and the importance of prayer, but even in my personal life, I, I might struggle a bit with prayer. And, and that's certainly something that I can sympathize with and already feel like I've learned a lot about just some of the different dimensions of it. It's been, it's been really good. They've been uh, quite vulnerable about how they struggle with being consistent in prayer, and um, yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting. I don't think uh, Daniel's going to be that person today because um, <laughs> he's got a slightly d- different take on it. But uh, we're uh, glad to welcome him to the program. Daniel Henderson is uh, president of Strategic Renewal, helping pastors succeed God's way. Daniel, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about Strategic Renewal. Yeah, so this was really birthed when I was pastoring in California, and God just allowed us to experience some extraordinary things in prayer to the point that pastors begin to come to our prayer meetings, our prayer summits, uh, asking for resources. So we, we just put that together as a nonprofit, the resource pastors. And Bill, as you know, I was pastoring in Minnesota and just got to the point where I knew I couldn't do both. So I went full time when I left Grace Church there in Eden Prairie, and mm-hmm. I'm a missionary at the church now. And we basically resource the church uh, in in tools that really help churches become a house of prayer. And uh, most pastors, most churches really struggle to know what that can and should look like. We coach, uh, we've coached five, six hundred pastors over the last few years in terms of how to develop a culture of prayer. And then on the side, we have a global fellowship of pastors where they specifically connect regionally and they keep each other encouraged because honestly, Bill, the devil hates praying people. He hates praying pastors. Our flesh opposes it. So it's always a battle and we want to keep ourselves encouraged in that regard. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, there's so much I want to um, ask you, and one of the things I would love for you to do is sort of take us on a little journey um, on your website, uh, strategicrenewal.com. I was looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's a special Thanksgiving prayer guide, and given the fact that this is a a time of year we should be giving lots of thanks, I was wondering if you wouldn't kind of walk us through that, because um, it's, it's really wonderful stuff. Yeah, so that is one of, uh, man, I don't know how many prayer guides that are on there. But uh, as you may remember, Bill, uh, we really subscribe to what we call Scripture-fed, Spirit-led, worship-based prayer. The idea of that is letting God start the conversation from the Word. I always say, whoever starts a conversation tends to guide it. So Mm -hmm. you got to decide who you want to guide your prayer conversation. So you'll notice that guide and all our guides are based in the Scripture Uh, obviously relying on the Holy Spirit then to use the Scripture to give language to our prayers. But ultimately, as you may remember, 
we really believe in worship-based versus request-based prayer. And so that guide and all the guides always begin with what we call reverence or worship. Uh, we say very simply, you seek God's face before you seek his hand. And the authority for that, of course, is the model prayer that Jesus gave, which started, first of all, uh, with God before it moved to us. And so those guides are really practical tools that pastors and individuals use to kind of learn how to do this. How do you look at a text? through the lens of the model prayer? How do you begin with worship, letting scripture give you language as the spirit moves your heart? And, um, you know, it's just, it's, I always say prayer is not just therapeutic. And that's where I think sometimes we err. We think it's just, it's just a therapeutic thing. And it is that, but prayer is primarily transformational. And when we learn to pray from the word by the, with the help of the spirit, starting in worship, it's a game changer for our lives and for our churches. So, Daniel, uh, speaking uh, from, you know, I'm just going to say quickly on, on the part of uh, praying through the Word, do, do all Scripture passages sort of lend themselves to the ability to pray through them this way? This is, it's an intriguing way to think about it that, frankly, I didn't have a lot of growing up. And, or are there yeah. different passages that you, you say, boy, these really lend themselves to praying through, or, or is it really any part of Scripture you can do this with? Well, yeah. So obviously Leviticus might be a little tough, you know, a few others, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we are actually about to finish um, Facebook morning live prayer times that we started back when COVID hit. We're about to finish Psalm 150 here in a few weeks, and we've just taken the next Psalm every weekday morning and, you know, it's amazing, Peter, how the Lord helps you pray the Word. And as I said, the key is to look at it through the lens of the model prayer and the movements that that gives to us, you know, to know how to pray Scripture. Obviously, New Testament texts, uh, most of them you can slice anywhere. Revelation, there are a few passages that are hard, you know. I mean, picking the, the verse, Jesus wept, would be a hard one to lead prayer out of. But, you know, generally, it's a way of seeing the Scripture and as I said already, through the lens of the way Jesus told us to pray. And by the way, this I think is so important. When Jesus said, pray this way, right? The model prayer in Matthew 6, repeated again in a shorter version in Luke 11. In the Greek, that is what we call a present imperative. In other words, Jesus is actually saying, he's not saying, hey, say this prayer by memory every once in a while at a religious ceremony. He's actually saying, you must learn to pray like this always. And it sounds restrictive, but in, in truth, it's life-giving and it's life-changing. And that's what we coach pastors to do. And obviously, our, our tools on our website help Christians do the same. Okay, now I love, as I'm back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 8 to 15, how you have given this, this guide to pray. And it starts with reverence. And mm -hmm. we always start with who we're talking to, right? Yep. And it says God is abounding in grace in verse 8. Our sufficient source, also in verse 8. The source of all good works, the provider for the poor, the righteous forever, the producer of righteousness in and through us, our source of generosity, our source of all thanksgiving, working <laughs> through us for his glory, working by the gospel of Christ, connecting believers by his grace, producing prayer in us by his grace and the giver of the inexpressible gift of salvation in Christ. You got that out of those verses. That's <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, you know, you look at the text and you say, all right, Holy Spirit, help me. What does this tell me about God, Christ, their character? And as you know, Bill, man, what a springboard to worship. You know, you may not even get the request if you just sit and worship around those truths. But yeah, that's where it all begins, right? We, the way we say it, Bill... Um, 
you know, the, the basic division of the model prayer, the first half is all Godward, second half is all manward. Mm-hmm. So it has to start with reverence. And I like to say he's worthy, we are needy. And if we start with his worthiness, then we understand how we need to talk to him about our neediness. I always say the clearer the face, the bigger the hand. In other words, <laughs> you know, the more clearly you can see who God is, the, the more faith you're going to have to trust him with your needs. That's why we start there, like in that passage that you referenced. It's so powerful. And you, I, I have a tendency of sometimes starting prayers with, um, dear Heavenly Father, give me, help me, give me, help me. You know, you start to go right to the request part. <laughs> yeah. And we're not, we're, not, we're not letting him open the conversation. We're not going to him in praise and wonder and amazement and awe and f- yeah. faithfulness and gratitude and who he is and who we are. And this little twist of going to God reverently at first is kind of a wonderful game changer. It really is. And honestly, Bill, Peter, I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up with request-based prayer, you know, and every prayer meeting starts with, does anybody have any prayer requests? Well, man, that goes on for 45 minutes. Everybody in the world has an ingrown toenail, a slip disc, a cousin with a broken car. You know, I'm so depressed. I don't feel like praying. And then, you know, then someone says, oh, we're almost out of time. We better pray. And so we've all been ingrained in request-based praying, which frankly, and this may sound a little harsh, but it's man-centered prayer rather than God-centered prayer. And and our ultimate need in prayer is met when we're more God-centered because then we experience his sufficiency to meet our need. And that's why it's so important to start there. And Danny, when you talk about creating sort of a culture of prayer, something you said as an introduction to the, the ministry that you do, uh, what have you seen in churches as you introduce this sort of uh, approach to prayer? And, and I just think about not just the the specialists in the church that learn to pray, but, you know, families learning to pray and young people learning to pray, children. Uh, what, what do you see as you introduce this sort of idea? Yeah, so Peter, um, it, it, prayer is so, and by necessity, so experiential. You know, the disciples didn't say, Jesus, teach us to pray because you just gave us a great three-point sermon on prayer. They said, teach us to pray because we're watching you do it, and we want to experience it the way John the, uh, the Baptist did with his disciples. And so, you know, I, I, we are very strong on the importance of pastors being committed to prayer personally. Now, and I don't mean just in their personal prayer life, but in their public ministry. Uh, we, as I said, we have a global fellowship based on Acts 6-4, where the apostles said, we will devote ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry word. That's literally a reference to their public ministry in the church, not their private prayer lives. So we may get to this, but we have lost a conviction about the, the priority of corporate prayer because that's how people learn to pray. We always think, well, the prayer warriors will have a prayer meeting. The rest of us will just do church as usual. No, 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 no. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. So people learn to pray in their families, in their marriages, in their small groups by praying that's why we're equipping pastors to have a competence and a confidence to lead their church to be a culture of prayer. D.A. Carson, you may know his name, renowned theologian, he says this so well. He says, you know, the only way people learn to pray is by praying with others who know how to pray. <laughs> and, and so that's why the church leaders have got to be those dudes. You know, they have got to learn to pray and learn to facilitate prayer and learn to, to engage others in life-giving prayer so that it can go into all streams of not only church life, but personal life, right? Friendships, uh, families, etc. That's wonderful. We're going to take a little break. You are listening to our prayer series with our special guest, uh, Daniel Henderson, president of Strategic Renewal. You can go to strategicrenewal.com. 
www.thebigbigbook.com to get some of this uh, wonderful um, uh, information I've been sharing in this portion of the show. After a very short break, we'll be back. prayer series. I think this might be week three. I'm loving it so far. Our special guest is Daniel Henderson from strategicrenewal.com. So we were uh, talking a little bit before the break about uh, the reverence of reminding ourselves uh, who we are, who God is. And if we start with who God is and we go through uh, his majesty and might, we might get to the point where it changes how we pray, what the prayer requests are. So on the website, as I'm looking at this, uh, and this is based out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 15. So a possible prayer prompt might be, I praise you that your grace abounded in me when, and then you fill in the blank. Thank you that my family experienced abounding grace when, and then fill in the blank. Um, I praise you that your sufficient grace empowers me to fill in the blank. This is a great, great way to pray. This is outstanding. (laughs) Yeah, you know, what we try to help pastors do, and obviously these guides are are applicable to anybody, is to pray the Scripture as specifically and applicably as we can. Um, You know, John Piper says, you know, where the mind is not brimming with Scripture, the heart is seldom brimming with prayer. And to look at the scripture and let it give language to your prayers in very specific ways. And so those prompters, you know, it's not to restrict prayer. It's just to open up windows of thought. And I always say with regard to these prompters, you know, specificity breeds authenticity. In other words, you know, you could just say, well, thank you, Lord, for grace. You know, and the Greek word for grace is this. And back in the Old Testament, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's fine for theologians. But for us normal folks. I want to think about how grace has intersected my life in a spirit of gratitude and worship and praise. And so that's, Bill, why we give prompters like that, to help people really have an understanding of how to really practically pray the Word of God in a way that intersects with the deepest needs and sometimes the greatest gratitude of your personal life. And Daniel, you're not at all suggesting, uh, in starting that way, being Godward with our prayer, that there's a sense that we need to sort of butter God up, right, so that he can hear us uh, a bit better. (laughs) There's something about us in that. Yeah, he he doesn't need us to butter him up at all, that's for sure. Uh, We just need to think great thoughts about God, right? And the Word of God is where we find that information to do that. And, And again, going back, Jesus commanded, it's not a suggestion or a good idea, Jesus commanded, start here. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Father, our intimate relationship with him in heaven, ruling the universe, you know, the sovereign, awesome God. And, of course, name, as you guys know, represents character. So you can go any direction possible with thinking about his character in that opening part of what prayer ought to be for all of us. Mm -hmm. On the uh, website, Daniel, you've got a a section called Response. And let me just read this. I confess that I have limited your grace by failing to trust you when, and then fill in the blank when you're just trying to pray through this. And then the other response is, because of my confession of the gospel, 
help me to submit to you when you call me to and fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, when I'm looking at, at this, this is a, a, a beautiful way of surrender and submission. Uh, and this is a great guide to help do that. Yeah. So obviously that's just tracking with the model prayer, as you probably picked up. You know, I, I have those four R's, reverence, response, request, and readiness. And reverence, our Father art in heaven, how be thy name. And as you noted now, Bill, response is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a response of surrender, confession, yieldedness. Uh, uh, in connection with the truth of who God is, right? I always say that worship is ultimately the response of all I am to the revelation of all he is. And that's the model prayer. Those are the first two movements of that prayer, reverencing God in worship and then responding in honesty, confession, yieldedness, and surrender. And uh, Bill, that's what those two prompts are helping to facilitate. And Daniel, I was just thinking about when you said your kingdom come. And and can you repeat that quote that you said from John Piper about scripture and prayer? That was, I've never heard that. It's very intriguing. I just have a follow up. Yeah, he says, where the mind is not brimming with scripture, the heart is seldom brimming with prayer. And I would just add to that same point. It was um, George Mueller in his autobiography who said that for years he tried to pray without starting in the scripture and his mind wandered. We've all had that experience. Mm. But when he started in the book, as he said, my, I was able to pray in extended fashion. And again, allowing the Word of God to prompt these realities in our heart is such a powerful way, again, to pray. I, I love the way, um, you know, I always say this, by the way, that your definition in prayer determines your def- your destination in prayer. And uh, kind of to your point, Peter, many of us define prayer as talking to God uh, I love the way uh, one writer said it. He said, that makes God one big ear and us one big mouth, right? We're not even letting God get a shot at it. We're just filling him in on how he's supposed to structure the universe today, according to my specifications. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that's just not the right definition. Yes, requests are a part. And Bill, if you walk into that guide here, we'll, we'll probably get to that. But um, I say that the definition of prayer that is most helpful is that prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of His purposes. I love that definition. And boy, what a destination that is, right? And so that's why we start with God. That's why we start with His Word. It's about intimacy with Him that will lead us in this prayer experience to fulfill His purposes in our life. Yeah, so let's... Yeah, it's in, go ahead, Go Bill. ahead, Bill, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to follow up quickly on it, Dan. Just that part of Scripture, right? I, I'm just keep thinking about your kingdom come... I, I wouldn't know what to even look for in his kingdom and for it to come if I'm also not at the same time in my prayer life familiar with scripture that talks about life <laughs> in his kingdom. I just, it's, I've just never made that connection before between, I, I've always sort of had scripture study as separate from prayer, but you're, you're making it sound like those things really work together in that way. Yeah. You know, I grew up thinking, I read my Bible in one corner of the room and then I go kneel and fall asleep in the other corner of the room. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's a two way conversation, right? God's starting the conversation and we're responding, and the Word is giving language to our prayers, and it's not about informing Him of anything. It's about being intimate with Him. And uh, yeah, exactly. Again, a lot of these are just the traditions we grew up with, and you say, where do we get this idea, right? So, so you go back to the book, and what does the book really teach us about how we're supposed to pray? I love it. Let's get to the request part, because that's always uh, the highlight of most people's uh, prayer life, is <laughs> they've got a fairly significant request list, which we all do, because you'll you'll have conversations with people, and they'll say, you know, um, would you pray for me? And of course you say yes, and then hopefully you're remembering to do it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, in the guides on your website, Daniel, you've got um, 
as, as a guide, I trust you to supply and multiply a harvest of righteousness as I, and fill in the blank, um, I pray that your grace will work through me to meet the needs of, and then name that person's name. Mm-hmm. I pray that, and then add in someone's name, I pray that name will trust you for abounding grace today as they fill in the blank. Yep, again, that's trying to take the Word of God and to pray it by faith into the realities uh, you know, of our needs and the people we love and the people we care about. Um, and, and you know, Peter and Bill, you know, Jesus in, in the Gospels, he said, hey, I feed the birds, I clothe the lilies. Uh, you got to trust me, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that, you know, so that we may indeed fulfill his will. And, and all these things will be added to you. So in, in some ways, it's a, it's a lack of real faith to get so absorbed on uh, all these other needs instead of really having a high view of God, a rich experience of his spirit in prayer, and then trying to pray biblically for those needs in a way that fulfill his kingdom. One of the things we do in our coaching with pastors is when someone gives some prayer request, you know, Bill, you're talking about prayer requests. And, mm-hmm. You know, would you pray for my third cousin's dog who uh, got ran over by a neighbor and now the neighbor's suing and right. they got to go to Topeka, you know, all these distant requests. Um, you know, here's a really interesting thing. Paul used a Greek word all the time in the New Testament called henna, which is translated so that. So interesting. To, for any request, ask yourself, so that? What's the so that? In other words, what's the, to your point, Peter, what's the kingdom purpose behind this prayer? What's the gospel advancing uh, outcome of this prayer request? Uh, what is the so that in my concern about my job? And in prayer, we just need God to shift our hearts away from the things he's already promised to take care of to the things that he wants us to partner with him in for the sake of the gospel and his kingdom. I find that to be a really helpful little caveat. So that. I like that. Um, And then what about the idea that, that God is glorified and his light shines before unbelievers when very specific requests are very specifically answered? That's kind of a a, a wonderful uh, testimony, isn't it? It is. In fact, uh, for 20 years, Bill, um, I did this at Grace when I passed Durning Prairie. I would meet with anyone who would come early on Sunday mornings, and every week we would pray from a psalm. We'd just take the next psalm. We'd we'd uh, surrender to the Lord. We would dinner our request time. We would prayer walk the campus, and then we'd come back and kind of get ready for battle. Uh, but the first thing we always did uh, right up front in praise to God, Lord, how did you answer prayers from what we prayed last week? You wow. know, and and that does build our faith, doesn't it? To sure realize, does. you know, God is yeah. actively involved in our lives. Yeah. Let me take a little break. We'll be back uh, in 90 seconds with uh, Daniel Henderson. We're talking about prayer. The prayer series is underway. Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself are, are here with you and with Daniel. So we'll be back in 90 seconds.
<laughs> All right, we are back in our purse series. Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself are so glad to be hosting today with uh, Daniel Henderson from Strategic Renewal. You can head over to strategicrenewal.com. Some of the prayer guides uh, we've been talking about today are right there on the website, and you will love this uh, material and information. Uh, Daniel, maybe just give us a little recap for those of us uh, who might just be climbing in the car right now and, and just uh, are starting to listen. Uh, the four R's before we get oh, to the last thank one. You, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. So those are based on the model prayer. And as I said earlier, for those who are with us, when Jesus said, pray this way, it's a present imperative in the Greek, which means Jesus is literally commanding us to learn how to pray according to this pattern. Uh, which he gave again in Luke 11 is also Matthew 6. It wasn't always the same. It wasn't the same words in those two passages, but it was the same pattern. So here's how I break down the pattern. It starts with reverence, which is worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, it moves into response. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's yieldedness, surrender, confession, alignment with God's heart, God's mind. In fact, I often say, I don't even know what to pray about till I've worshiped well and surrendered completely, right? Mm. And so then we do pray about stuff. We, we go to requests, and that is our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. I say there's two categories of need there, resource needs and relationship needs. And every prayer time we've ever had, any prayer list we've ever created, breaks down into either a resource need or a relationship need, which shows the beauty of what Jesus understood about our struggle. But then it ends with uh, what I call readiness, readiness for the battle. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. Uh, that's my new version, but really <laughs> deliver us from evil, right? And it, it's really literally anticipating that, man, this is war. And part of prayer is getting ready for the battle, especially that's relevant, Bill, as you're praying from the Word of God, which is what equips you for the warfare. Mm-hmm. So now we're down to readiness, and here's a guide uh, from the website. May your grace abound to us when we struggle with... Then you'd fill in the blank, the areas of where you have a spiritual battle or temptation that would be opposing God's grace. This is a great guideline. Uh, may your grace abound to us when we struggle with, and then you would place yeah. in what you're struggling with. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, and thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, that's why praying from the Word of God is so important and finding a truth or a promise in the Word as you go into the day, you know, whether it's, you know, at the end of a, a weekly church prayer meeting, it's the end of your daily prayer time, getting battle ready. And of course, you know, Jesus in, in the wilderness, you know, the enemy comes against him. What did he do? It is written, it is written, it is written. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the the Greek word there is rhema, the spoken word of God. So I, I propose that's one another reason why you got to pray out of the scripture, because you got to get the word in your heart, uh, you know, have it ready to meditate on through the day. And I think that is best birthed out of your intimate time with God in prayer. Yeah, I, I love that reference, Daniel, that you made, because the Jesus, his thinking came before his feelings. Yeah, because that's right. certainly 30 days in the wilderness, you're starving. And Jesus' response is, it is written. Yeah. He didn't start with, I am feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm hungry. Where's the, where's the beef? No, it was exactly. the Word of God, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, Daniel, you know, as you're kind of in the battle like that, I was thinking about when, when you said that uh, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Is there, in your prayer life, is there time, are there times where you feel like, gosh, you know, I'm really in this battle right now. Is there a way to tell when you're really engaging in that, in that spirit realm? I know a lot of my students, for example, that I, 
uh, teach, they, they wonder about that kind of thing. And, and how can they tell when there's actual effectiveness in their prayer in that way? Yeah, obviously, you know, we're constantly in battle. And, you know, I was, in fact, I was talking to a good pastor friend of mine yesterday, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, stub his toe and start binding demons, right? It's not that thing, but it's, it's the reality that the enemy's always going to be fighting us. And that's why this is embedded in the prayer. We're supposed to be praying on a regular basis, but again, being empowered from the word. And I think sometimes we can feel that oppression. And uh, I've had moments in my life where it just seems so severe. And, uh, you know, I think we all know what I do. I start quoting the scripture, quoting the scripture, you know, just uh, because the fiery darts of the enemy are trying to pollute our mind, obviously, with doubt, with fear, with, with sinful, you know, uh, uh, thoughts. And it is the purity and power of the Word of God that we've got to keep in front of us. And, and I always say that the best way to apply the Word of God is to pray it. And that's why, again, this convergence of prayer and the Word is so vital to spiritual victory, I think, in all of our lives. Peter, I know you wanted to um, ask Daniel a question about corporate prayer. I'm going to let you ask it. Yeah, so I'm curious, Daniel, on this one, too, and I think about the effectiveness of prayer as we're engaging this. It's one thing for us to maybe walk through a text like this as an individual believer, but sometimes, you know, we go through prayer chains or people say, gosh, we need we need just sheer volume of people praying for the same thing. Is there any kind of uh, scriptural evidence or any way to think through this a little bit that maybe 600 people praying for the same thing is going to somehow be more effective than six? Or how might we think about such things? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, um, so I would just weigh in on a bias I have. I, I think, you know, prayer chains are helpful, but people aren't praying together, really. They're not. Uh, and I, in the early church, you know, I would just throw this in real quickly. Albert, Albert Moeller, a renowned theologian, he makes the point, and I've written about this extensively, there's no I in the Lord's Prayer. All the pronouns are plural. And, uh, of course, then people talk about the closet, which is only in the Old King James Version, and the word is tamion. It's just a room. But I think the devil has played us at that point. I think in Western culture, this is a real zinger, maybe vote me off the island right here, but in Western culture, we actually think it's more spiritual to pray alone than it is with others, and that is not a New Testament perspective. Uh, we, we learn to pray by praying with others, so there is power in praying together, but, but you know, obviously COVID is limiting it a little bit, thank God for Zoom and Facebook, but um, you know, when we gather together, there, there is a special sense of, of faith that grows as the Spirit of God is working in those who are part of it, helping us pray together and, and learn how to pray as we're praying, help us know each other, etc. But I, I think the whole point of the numbers, uh, let's say, let's turn it into a prayer meeting. You have six people, you have 600. Well, um, one of my friends, Al Toledo, who pastors Chicago Tabernacle, he makes a statement, and it's so encouraging, the commitment of the few can secure the blessing for the many. And I think that's so needful to remember. The commitment of the few can secure the blessing for the many. And frankly, in most churches, I mean, we've had that experience where hundreds were coming every week, but that's not normal. And pastors get discouraged and quit, right? Because everything's about numbers these days. But Jesus said, even if it's two or three, right? Now, obviously, that's a church discipline text, ultimately, but there is this promise that just two or three in agreement matters. Um, so here's here's a, a point I would like to make. Back to 2 Corinthians, Bill. In chapter 1, Paul says, I'm summarizing, man, I went through this trial. I thought I was going to die. You know, it was horrible. 
but you all, uh, you know, in, in southern uh, Corinth, it might be all y'all, right? All y'all, <laughs> all y'all prayed together. And because you prayed together, God helped me. So he's making a direct correlation between the power of people praying together and what God does in various contexts to advance the gospel. But what he says, so that, there we are again, so that great thanksgiving may arise to God because of the prayers of many. So the reason I argue for more volume in prayer is because it gives people, back to your point, Bill, more awareness of God at work and puts in our hearts a spirit of thanksgiving, creates a culture of thanks in the, in the life of the church. And so it's not that more numbers are going to manipulate God. It's that more numbers allow us to participate with God so that we have a greater spirit of thanksgiving and praise for God because we have all chosen to join together in prayer. Hope that makes sense, Peter. <laughs> yeah, that's that's real helpful uh, on that piece of it. Um, and for people as they're thinking about praying in the U, I love that idea that that the New Testament U's are not individual; they're plural uh, almost yeah. entirely. Like you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, or you are the you know the dwelling place. And and so for people that aren't comfortable maybe praying corporately and don't feel like they can use the right language or the right words, or it almost gets to be a competition sometimes. I think yeah. how do you counsel groups of people to learn how to pray? authentically with each other and, and reduce the fear by doing a verbal prayer in front of others. Yeah, that's great. And again, that's that's a practical question that when we coach pastors, we really deal with. Uh, first of all, if you're one of those shy people who's not comfortable praying, well, you need to show up anyway, because you're going to learn to pray by hearing others pray, right? We said that earlier. Uh, and that doesn't mean you have to pray out loud. And I always say when I'm facilitating prayer and often in prayer gatherings, I'll encourage them to group up at certain points, pre-COVID, of course. Um, and I'll say to them, uh, I would encourage you, if you don't want to pray with a group, there's no judgment. Just stay seated and pray alone. The Lord hears your prayer. But if you want to pray with the group, let me give you some benefits. Number one, um, you're going to learn to pray by hearing them pray. Number two, you're going to know them at a level that you wouldn't know them otherwise, because what you are on your knees is what you are. In other words, you're going to know their hearts, and that's vital to real community. Uh, thirdly, the Holy Spirit's going to uh, prompt them to pray something that's going to stir something in you that you might not have thought of, except that the, the Lord put it on their hearts to pray. And then lastly, it just helps you know how to pray for them. So even if you don't pray out loud, there's so many benefits to praying together. And um, again, people stay away from prayer gatherings for that. And I think we need to just facilitate in a way. There's no shame by just praying by yourself. But there is great benefit in joining even to listen to others pray. Uh, and at some point, you know, you'll, you'll pray out loud. And again, I talk about leveling the praying ground in a corporate prayer meeting, and that's where those prompters, Bill, are so helpful, mm -hmm. be because it keeps the long-winded guys from hijacking it, you know, <laughs> and just going on and on. Yeah. But it also gives the shy people an easy entry point. You know, all you have to do is finish this sentence. Uh, all you have to do is just fill in this one thought. We're not trying to have a prayer contest, to your point, Peter. And part of that is just the wisdom of how to facilitate prayer. I love that. That's um, very helpful. So when we are encouraging people to pray, which is what we want to do, and pray corporately and pray Scripture, and I think your, um, your prayer guides does a fantastic job of giving people a great direction to take it. Um, there's also uh, the thought that people go to God's Word and they might find a verse or two, and they want to put all their focus on that verse because they think this is what I need to know about 
what the Bible says about prayer. And then they can find themselves maybe a little bit discouraged because things didn't happen in the way that they had hoped or what they believed Scripture was telling them, and they can get disappointed. So what do you say to someone who has prayed and prayed and just has not had their prayers answered, and they feel frustrated, and I read that verse that says, take delight in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, that didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I think we're, we're just when you pray out of the Word of God, it, it really changes your expectation. Uh, you know, and I don't mind you to sound oversimplistic, but I'll be honest with you. If, if you are becoming more like Jesus through whatever life brings you, your prayers are being answered. <laughs> Right. If if you are getting a deeper heart for His kingdom through all the the ups and downs of life, God is answering you. It goes back to what we're saying. Right. Your definition determines your destination. If your definition is I tell God what He's supposed to do and He answers, so that I whatever, then you're going to be disappointed. But if your definition is prayer is really intimacy with God, that's going to lead to the fulfillment of His purposes. It may not be what I expected or what I wanted, but but my prayers are being answered. I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. I'm being sanctified. I'm letting loose of my own way of thinking. And, um, you know, I'm growing in grace, etc. So again, and but you got to know, God has promised, Paul promised it, obviously, in the Philippian church as well, that my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It just sometimes we like to define those needs rather than God defining them. And, you know, it's okay to complain to God about things that aren't working out your way. It's not okay to complain about God. And that's where we got to be wise about keeping our eyes on the beauty and wonder of who He is, so that even in our complaint, we are still captivated with the beauty and the purposes of who He is and what He does. Mm -hmm. You're listening to our prayer series. We're going to continue this for many, many weeks um, with Peter Kapsner and myself. Our guest is Daniel Henderson strategicrenewal.com where you can go and learn about how to use these prayer guides. Uh, They're wonderful. We'll be back in just a minute. with our prayer series and Daniel Henderson is our special guest today and Peter I think you got a the next question I think I think you're up next <laughs> that's very hey Daniel I was uh, you've been talking a lot today about moving from a request based prayer to more of a worship based prayer I'd love for you to just talk about your own journey a little bit from from that place to to moving to worship based because I think a lot of us and a lot of our listeners might be understandably stuck in that request place yeah, well, hopefully it's comforting. Thank you, Peter, for people to hear that I'm not a natural prayer guy. You know, I mean, people invite me in to speak on prayer and think I'm going to be swinging incense, wearing a robe, you know, dripping Shekinah juice, glowing <laughs> in the dark. You know, <laughs> I'm fiercely independent by nature. In fact, I often say that prayerlessness is my declaration of independence from God. And I think we all get that. We understand yeah. what that's like. So I, I joke that when I was a kid, uh, my version of prayer started early. My parents took me to church a lot and I had a, a drug problem. They drugged me to the midweek prayer meeting every week of my life. And, uh, you know, that thing was a sleeper, man. It, we described it earlier, you know, just 45 minutes of prayer requests. And then we engage in what I call the bless be with syndrome, you know, going through this list, bless him, bless her, be with this, be with that. Um, 
And I just knew it wasn't working, right? And so it started with a dissatisfaction that traditional approaches to prayer, uh, they certainly weren't attracting a lot of people in the church. They were very man-centered. Uh, the game changer for me was early in my ministry, and I mentioned this verse earlier, I came across Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, where, where I, as a leader, I've got to give myself and my leadership team, we have to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Well, I had seven years of training in the ministry of the Word, but Zippo in prayer. Mm. And um, so I said, Lord, teach me what that means. And that's where he took me through some very challenging pastoral ministries, um, Two of those were on the heels of a, a moral failure. Uh, Bill, you know, one of them, obviously, here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Another one was following a 40-year predecessor, you know, and that's just another flavor of pain. But I said, God, you got to teach me to pray, you know. And and I realized that, that yes, I could do this on my own, but I'm going to learn to pray as I pray with my people. And they're going to teach me to pray, too. And so I basically said, we just got to start this. And um, it, it got to the point where on a weekly basis, I'm leading different groups in prayer five to six times a week, not because I was spiritual, but because I needed to not only have that encounter with the Lord, but I also needed to learn to pray and teach them to pray. But again, it came back down to the difference between me starting the conversation and God starting the conversation. Praying with an open Bible, which, as we've already talked about, is always going to lead you initially to worshiping the God of the Word from the Word of God. And I began to see how that would change people. We did something crazy, and now I've led these probably 100-plus times. We went away to a retreat center. We called it a prayer summit with no agenda for three days. That doesn't sound very Christian at all, but literally no agenda. And in in and, and spontaneously, people would read Scripture, we would sing, we would pray out of the Scripture. First time I ever led that, and there's about 100 people who showed up. I mean, uh, marriages were healed, people were delivered from lifelong besetting sin, people were called to ministry, their racial reconciliation, all the things you put on your five-year ministry plan kind of happened in three days. <laughs> wow. And I realized, wow, I, this was good, you know, and... So we just kept doing that, and it totally changed the way we prayed, um, and we just saw the impact. And then it just became clear to me, not only did Jesus command us to pray like that, but here's an interesting segue, real quick, uh, Peter um, and Bill. In the book of Acts, we know they prayed, right? There's lots of instances that tell us they prayed, but there's only one instance where it shows how they prayed. There's actually a record of an early church prayer meeting. And uh, you smart guys already know where it is, probably. It's Acts chapter 4, where they hit their first wave of persecution. And it says they gathered together. And, uh, you know, in our tradition, Peter, you know, uh, the other Peter, Peter the Apostle, would have said, you know, pray for me. I've got an anger issue. I whacked a dude's ear off. I'm feeling like I might do it again because these guys are being mean. You know, <laughs> Thomas might have said, pray for me. I'm doubting again. You know, that's not where they started. The only example of how the church prayed. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And you guys know the text probably. First thing out of their mouth was sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who from the mouth of your servant David, now they quote Psalm 2. What are they doing? And the only example we have of how they pray, they're starting with Scripture by the Spirit and they're worshiping first. Scripture-fed, Spirit-led worship-based prayer. And if you follow the prayer and we don't have time, they move to, Bill, to your point, to response. And then they move to their requests, and then they get battle ready. They're filled with the Spirit. They go out and speak the Word of God. 
It's amazing. And I begin to see this and I thought, man, why would I want to pray any other way than to seek God's face before I seek his hand? And let me just add this one statement. If all someone ever does is seek God's hand, they might miss his face. You know, they may have miles and miles of prayer requests written down. But if you seek God's face, he'll he'll gladly open his hand. And so that's why it's so important in my journey, Peter, and how I've learned this with my people to pray from the Word of God, seeking God's face, and that's where prayer becomes transformational. It's, it just is so invitational to, just to hear a bit of the journey from one place to the other. And, and Bill, I think I heard Daniel say, dripping with Shekinah juice. There's no chance of not using that in the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, that's in the book of Second Daniel, by the way. I'm right. still working on <laughs> right, it. Right, you know? right. <laughs> Daniel, I think I, I think I heard somewhere that ninety um, percent of what the Bible teaches about prayer is about worshiping, honoring, giving God praise, and about ten percent is about requests and petitions. And um, I think we've got that statistic a little flip flop, don't we? <laughs> Well, we sure do. Again, it, we're just replicating what we've always seen and heard without asking ourselves, what does the Bible really say? And I don't know about those percentages, but I know in one of my books, Transforming Prayer, I studied the actual prayers of Jesus, and I studied the actual prayers of Paul, because as you know, in some of his epistles, there's these wonderful prayers. And I always wonder, you know, did he did he sit down under the inspiration of the Spirit to write an epistle and he decided to pray, or was he praying and it turned into an epistle, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, I study his prayer, and even his prayer requests, and there, there's very few, in fact, there, there are no uh, prayers like the ones we pray about all these little practical needs. They're all prayers of worship, and they're about the kingdom, and they're about Christian growth. Uh, you know, one pastor friend of mine said it this way, we tend to spend more prayer energy praying sick Christians out of heaven than praying lost people out of hell. Mm. And, and you know, we, we've just gotten into the weeds of what prayer was meant to be. God's going to take care of us. We need to trust Him. And the more intimate we are with Him, the greater our trust is. And then our hearts can be changed to be, be hearts of worship and surrender and joining God in His kingdom purposes, which, by the way, is why He left us here after we were saved, and that is to obviously join Him and be ambassadors of His gospel. Mm. Just had a listener named Steve chime in with an email to me. He said, this has taken me a while, but I'm starting to pray for the things that God wants for me instead of the things I want. He already right. knows my needs. It's kind of freeing Amen. praying like that. Wow. It sure is. Yeah, when Jesus set up this model prayer, you know, He did say, your Father knows your needs before you ask, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a salvo about, you know, request-based prayer because, uh, uh, and then he gives us his model prayer, which this pattern becomes so transformational yeah. when we learn to pray Jesus' way. Yeah. yeah. Daniel, would you, um, we're, we're awfully close to the end here. We've got about three minutes left. Would you uh, be willing to give us some prayer time right now? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. And so, Father, in Jesus' name and by your Holy Spirit, we come with great gratitude for your patience with us, your grace toward us, your mercy, your love, your goodness, Lord. Thank you that you meet us right where we are and you take us to where we need to be, especially when it comes to our intimate walk with you. And even reflecting today on the passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we thank you that you are a God of all grace. And we praise you that you have given us grace grace after grace after grace. Lord, as you've taught me, you have tailor-made grace for everything we face. 
It says in John 1, grace upon grace, and so we praise you for your grace in our lives. Uh, Lord, we, we do surrender to you the times in which we have neglected grace. We have received grace in vain. We've not allowed grace to teach us. We've failed to allow your grace to make us strong in our weakness. And we just confess our need for more, more grace. As it says in the old hymn, oh, for grace to trust you more, Lord. And we pray for that grace today. I pray for that tailor made grace for those who are sick today and worried and anxious, those who have family conflict, marriage challenges. Pray for your grace that would abound to those who are in poverty or losing a job, for those who just need new grace to serve you in, in some unique way to which you've called them. And so we thank you for abounding grace for every need today. And then, Lord, as we go into battle uh, at the end of this call and at the beginning of another day tomorrow, we pray that we would be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, you teach us, as it says in Titus, uh, that, that grace will instruct us to deny ungodliness and live godly and righteous in this present age. So let us walk in that grace. Let us receive the grace of the word hidden in our hearts so that we might be testimonies and testaments of your grace to others. Use us, Lord, for the sake of the grace of the gospel in this world. Keep us on task with you. And Lord, teach mm. us by your grace to pray. And we pray this for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. That wraps up our show. Have a great night, Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.